fascinating. Let me read a little story here to you. I don't know if this is true or not. But so I'm reading. An unemployed executive answered an intriguing job, a job ad for the regional zoo. The human resources manager explained that the zoo's gorilla had died. It was cheaper to hire someone to dress in a gorilla's suit than to get another gorilla. The man was desperate for a job, so he took it. The first day wasn't too bad. He paced the floor, ate the peanuts and bananas thrown at him, and thumped on his chest. The next day, he became bolder and began swinging on the rope tied to an old tree. As he swung, he suddenly lost his grip and fell into the lion's den next door. He jumped to his feet and began to scream, Help! Help! The lion came out of his house to see what the noise was all about, then pounced on the man in the gorilla suit. If you don't shut up, we'll both lose our job. <laughs> okay, yeah. Interesting situation in which a man had to pretend to be or represent a gorilla. I'm not sure I've ever had to do that. My mom and dad used to just say I, I acted like when growing up. Um... I do remember uh, a couple of years ago, our church was having a, a talent show, and a young man, fresh from the world, wanted to do a rap for us. And, you know, we didn't screen everything, so he gets up on stage, and he did his rap, just like you will see on MTV, and everything included, and I was sitting, I was standing there saying, oh Lord Jesus, just come quickly, just come quickly. And afterwards, I wanted to help him understand that there is a difference with how the world does things and how Jesus would want things done. And I won't get into the mannerisms and such that he did, but he did so in ignorance. And I just kind of escorted him outside and was very gracious and fatherly to him. And I said, you know, you've got a real talent there. And I really like the way you did this, that, or the other. And I can't remember the finer points that I pointed out. And I said, but... We just need to realize, you just need to realize that you've been out in the world a lot and you've learned a lot of stuff from the world. And when you were on stage there, you brought it all together for us. And uh, so I said, we want, when we, when we follow Christ, we want to be able to represent him well. And so he, he had said, got it, Pastor, got it, all right. And my question to us is this, how are we doing representing Jesus? How are we doing representing Jesus? Are we just simply presenting, like on a stage, or are we representing? The word represent actually is broken down. Uh, the, anyway, I was going to say the, the Greek word can go, but anyway, you, you, yeah. It means to present again or anew. To present by means of something standing in the place of. To exhibit the counterpart or image of. To typify. To present again. You know, that's really what we are doing in the kingdom of God. We are presenting Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago on this earth, now reigning in heaven. We are presenting him again as his church. We are Jesus with skin, so to speak, to the world. 
We want to represent him well. Representing is very important. Even in a business, you want your employees to represent your company well. If you're an employee, your employer wants you to represent the company well. Maybe some of us have been pulled aside and said, hey, you've been late a lot. Or I noticed you've been doing this and we want to encourage you not to do that because that doesn't represent what we stand for. Many, many years ago, I had an employee, and uh, by the way, he is really, as far as I know, walking very closely with the Lord at this point. But back then, he was really struggling in his relationship with Christ. He had started to go back into the things of his past, for which he had been in Teen Challenge, and God was needing to get in his life and and do a makeover again. Uh, I, I grabbed... Many, many weeks with him, walking through some of these issues that he was dealing with internally. Um, And then uh, about two months later, I decided, you know what, I need to go around to the businesses that he's doing. And I want to see, I want to ask them, how is he doing? So I went around and I found out he was not representing my company well. Found out he was playing certain types of music, uh, using language he shouldn't. And I had to pull him aside and I said, look, I want you as an employee. And I listed some of the things. I said, but you're not representing this company well. People think you're a drug addict by how you act and the music that you play. And and that's not who you are. And that is not what my company is. I need you to not do these things. Okay? I need you to represent the company well. And he said, fine. Then I quit. And I said... Are you going to give up? And he was making a good amount of money. You're going to give up all of that. You're 22 years old, and you're going to give up all of this. And he walked away. Nine, eight months later, he came back asking for his job again. I couldn't give it to him. But we, as we live out our Christian life, we seek to represent Christ well. Sam was reminding me just last night of, of uh, I'm trying to remember the exact story, but the question posed to the people was, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's where I'm going with this. But I, I don't want to do it just individually. I want us to see it corporately. Corporately, is there enough evidence to convict us of being a church that represents Jesus Christ well? Individually, corporately. As we looked in Acts 19 last week, we saw that, that the church itself was representing Jesus well and that the power of God was very objective. In other words, it was displayed in their midst. It wasn't something that was subjective, that we, well, you, know, you kind of feel it. It's something that was happening, but you couldn't know. You could see the power of God displaying miracles, casting out demons. People were filled with the Spirit. It was objective. It was not subjective. And God was doing something of a powerful nature in the city of Ephesus. And what followed was nothing short of a city-wide revival or awakening, if you will. And the church began to blossom. It says that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, <coughs> excuse me, the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, so many people had gone through Asia that it spread throughout that province. 
the province called Asia, not the Orient, not China, Japan, not over there, present-day Turkey. They called that province Asia. The gospel spread throughout. And I want you to turn with me to verse 17 in particular. And we read it last week. And I just want to remind us of this verse and use it as we launch out into what we're going to talk about tonight. Presenting or representing Christ. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, all of these miracles, and specifically what had happened to the seven sons of Sceva in the previous verses. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Don't you find that amazing? That amongst Jews and Greeks, we're talking about unbelievers, people who are not following after Jesus, they held the name of Jesus in high honor. You know, the demons do this, and we see that here, in which they say to the seven sons of Sceva, you know what, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who on earth do you think you are? Paraphrasing just a little bit. These followers, these seven sons of Sceva, who were Jews, but not followers of Jesus Christ, tried to use Jesus in, in a very superstitious way, and the demons recognized just how false and barren that was, how barren they were. They had no authority. But the people in the city of Ephesus, wow, they began to hold the name of Jesus in high honor. Now, you remember what I preached on last week. The result of this is that believers began to openly confess their sins. Those who had come to Christ testifying, this is where I used to be and this is the sin, but now Jesus Christ has set me free and they testified to the power and to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that they had just found and had set them free and delivered them. Please understand that the occult, that the, the work of Satan in Ephesus was powerful. It was the center of the worship of Diana or Artemis, which was vast. It, it, it held a death grip on all of that province, the, the people who made idols made buku bucks, as they say. And they were losing business because people's lives were being turned upside down. Revival, or awakening, hit Ephesus. I want to look again at the grace of God as it's displayed in his church. We saw this in Ephesians 3.10. That God has put his church on display as through the church the manifold wisdom of God is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. Demons, angels. They are all watching this docudrama of God's grace as it unfolds on earth. And, and church, realize this is not just God's grace poured out in salvation. This is God's grace poured out in your life every single day. God is eagerly longing to display His grace in your life. He purposely allows these difficult situations in your life so that you run to Jesus. Not run away from Him. Run to Jesus 
so that he, so that you will fall at his feet before his throne of grace, crying out to him, so that at your moment of weakness, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, in my weakness your strength is made perfect. Because your grace, as God told him, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is everything that you need. Everything that you need for today and tomorrow and this coming week. Everything. And so we realize that God is pouring out His grace every day in His church. And and it's, it's like a light. Or it's like a light that is growing brighter and brighter. Or the dawn. If you've ever seen the sunrise and it just begins to... To, to get brighter and brighter as, as even the seconds go by. This is what we are experiencing. This is the longing of God's heart to display His grace in the world, in bringing people to Jesus Christ and see His grace displayed in your life. Today, I want us to look at how God uses His church on display to win the world. Last week, it was through God doing miracles. This week, I want us to see something a little bit different. To do that, then, I would like you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Now, we have studied these verses 42 to 47 many times. I would imagine to say if there is ever a picture that is given in the New Testament of what we as a church long to be, it would be this passage right here. This is what we long to be like. And and I pray that God will continue to speak to us prophetically in our moments, in our day-to-day living, in our day-to-day living out the gospel, representing or representing Him, I pray that He will continue to use this passage to inspire us and, and that we would live this vision and live it out to bring Him glory, to highlight God's grace. But it says here in verse 46, it says, Every day they continued... To meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I want you to feel and sense the joy that is so present in the church here. There is something, it's 3,000 souls that just given their hearts to Jesus Christ, baptized People filled with the Spirit, some unusual happenings in Jerusalem in those days, people speaking in tongues. And the, the, the power of God, people being healed, as we would read in the next chapter. And God was pouring out His power. And the verse I didn't read, the apostles are continuing to, to do miracles in Jesus' name. And it is absolutely amazing. But the church, the church is getting it right. The church is, is allowing us, it's stoking the spiritual fervor in their hearts. And it says in verse 47, it says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now when it says all the people, it doesn't mean just the Christians. Because that's who is, if you will, on display. That is, those who are winning favor. It is all of the Jews, including those who had crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. 
these Christians are winning their favor. They are walking out the Christian life in such a dynamic way that it is gaining the attention of the lost and they are beginning, let me put it in Acts 19 words, they are beginning to hold the name of Jesus in high honor. And that is what we are always wanting to do. You see, when we represent Jesus, and it's not just a life of presentation, it's not about me, it's not about Mike Curtis and what, what he is doing, it is about how I am representing Jesus, the King of Kings, so that people hold him and his name in high honor, even unbelievers. But the tragedy in our life is that people who bear the name of Jesus, and please understand, every Christian wrestles with sin. In theology class, just this past week, we talked about sanctification, and there are those who hold, and very firmly to the teaching, that we can become completely sanctified. Now, that is an awesome goal, but I assure you that once you believe you have stopped sinning, you have sinned. Because you have believed that you are free from sin, blinded to it, if I may add, and pride is beginning to come in. The truth is, your pastor sins. I hope I'm not busting any bubbles here, but your pastor sins. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want to, but that is the truth. And I've got to humble myself, and I have to repent. I have to repent to my wife or to my children or to you or to others. But I've got to get my heart right before God. And most of all, I repent to Him. But the church is living here in such a dynamic way that is different than the way the church is living today. Because, as I was saying, that even though we are imperfect, but the church, they're, they're missing it. We are missing it. There is something wrong at the heart of what is going on in the church in which we, we take political stands that are completely contrary to the Word of God. And the world steps back and, and they welcome Christians into their midst. And Jesus said, you know what? If you follow me, you will endure persecution. And so I'm going to encourage you, if the world welcomes you too much, you may have a problem. And my question to you is, are you really representing well Jesus Christ? Now, don't go out and do things just so that people will persecute you, okay? I'm not talking about that. Thank you. Amen. How are we representing Jesus? The early church lived in such a dynamic way in loving one another. It says here in a previous verse, if you'll look up, at verse uh, 40-44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. That means that they didn't consider what they had their own. We read about that in Acts 4. They shared everything that they had. And if there was need, they took what they had and they gave it. I'm not, this is not against ownership. That ownership is a biblical principle. But ownership truly is good stewardship. 
When you own something, God has called you to be a steward of what he has blessed and given you. And now our privilege is is to be able to share it with others. It says here in the next verse, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Turn with me to Acts 4. In verse 32, it says, All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. God continued to do miracles, and it says that much grace was upon them all. And in verse uh, 34, it says, There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. I would venture to say that they gave it to the apostles because the apostles would be the ones who would be able to discern the real needs. There are felt needs and there are real needs. Our goal is to meet real needs, not necessarily felt needs. I'm going to come back to that in just a few. The church is continuing to grow thousands, not just a handful, but thousands are being added to the church. The verse or portion of that passage in Acts 247 that I didn't read is it says that people were being added to the church daily. The, the reason for this is because they were representing well Jesus Christ. That is our job. That is what we're called to, representing Jesus well. Turn to chapter 6. There finally becomes a more serious need, a need to the point in which there's grumbling in the midst of the body of Christ. There are thousands. Many of them are older women. Some of them, they're not just of the Jewish culture, but of the Greek culture. They're Jews, but within Judaism, within uh, the, the Hebrew religion, Judaism... There were those who were of a Hebrew culture and those who had adopted more of the Greek culture. Those who had adopted the Greek culture apparently were being overlooked with those widows, were being overlooked. And so they they pulled their hearts together and said, we've got to solve this problem. I can understand if some widows are being missed, but it appears as if it's a a particular um, group amongst the widows, and they said, we need to take care of this. And so, they chose seven men, full of the spirit and wisdom, and they did the administrative work of gathering the money, the food, to be able to take care of these widows. Let me tell you what happens as a result. Verse 7, So the word of God spread... The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now I'm going to suppose the reason why Luke includes this is because in the Old Testament it was the priest's responsibility to help make sure that the needs of the poor, the alien, the widows, the fatherless were met. 
And now the church is doing an outstanding job of meeting these needs, and, and it is a display of the, the, the reality of what Christ was preaching. The church was well representing, was truly living out what they, all of them, I mean, Jesus had died and risen not too long ago, and these, the church was living it out. And they remember what Jesus preached, these priests did. They remember, they were, some of them were gathered there while he fed the 5,000, or as he healed the lame and opened the eyes of the blind, as he preached, maybe on the, with regard to the, the, um, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And they see the church living just like he preached. They're doing miracles in the name of Jesus, just as Jesus did. And it is catching their attention. And as a result, many priests now become obedient to the faith. Titus 2. Turn there with me, if you would. Titus, right after 2 Timothy. Paul is concerned about older men mentoring younger men. And he says there in verse 8, he says, he's encouraging them to be good examples. And he says, so that those who oppose you, that is those who oppose you representing Christ, may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Nothing bad to say about us. I want you for just a moment to think through if you're employed outside your home, workplace, wherever you might work. If you have had a review lately, if you have had anyone speak to you lately, have they said anything of the kind in which they would point something out in your life and your conclusion was I am not representing Christ well. I can remember a few years after I'd given my heart to Christ. I was a teenager. I was in high school. I was really dealing with insecurities. My dad was the coach of the track team. I remember going into the weight room and I'm not going to tell you the things that I said but I walked in there as if I was the coach. After all, my dad was the coach, and I wanted to represent my dad. But see, that wasn't my responsibility. And I remember saying something to a particular young man, and a senior pulled me aside, and he was ticked. And he walked me outside and he said, Mike, who died and made you God? And immediately I was convicted. I knew what he was saying was right. And I just thought, God, I don't know why... That propensity is there in my heart. But I need you to remove that criticalness. I need you to remove, because I tended to compare myself with others. And and God needed to root that out of my life. I was not representing Christ well. And I repented to God. I remember going home that day and I was saying, Jesus, I am so over this. I need you to strip me bare. I need this out of my life. I am desperate I am asking for opportunities to witness, and my lifestyle is defaming you. 
And, and, and I had been walking with Christ for one to two years. And I was desperate. God, you have to do something in my life. Please rescue me from this. And God began to remove that junk in my life. And he used some hard situations. So I want to ask you if you've had a recent review. How did you do? If you were to have a review with Jesus Christ tonight, how would you do? How would you do? I believe that God wants us to represent him well. It says there, now he's, he switches uh, the subject. Now he's not talking about younger men. He's now talking about slaves being subject to their masters. And he concludes in verse 10 to do it so that they would show uh, that they could be fully trusted so that in every way they would make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. You see, this is how the early church lived. They made the gospel of Jesus Christ attractive, even to the point where priests who had studied the Old Testament, they came to this realization that Jesus Christ truly was the Messiah. They were, they were completely opposed to this idea. Jesus was just some cult leader. But they had been confronted so much with the reality of who this Jesus was specifically and how his church was now living it out. And it was so real to them and it cut to their hearts so that even priests became obedient to the faith. I, I, I tell you what, church, I want to live my life in a way in which when people look on, they want to say, you know, that's the way I want to live. That I would represent Christ well so that when I speak of Jesus, there would be a sense of truth that would ring with those words. There would be a sense of authenticity. And this is what the church of Jesus Christ is losing in our day. The sense of authenticity. It's more of a veneer. It's more of a, a show, a presentation. Rather than a representation. Church, this is all about Jesus. So I want to ask you, how might you represent Jesus well? How are you representing him? How are we, how am I representing him with regard to my integrity, your integrity? Do you tend to shy on the truth when you're trying to make a sale? Teens. And I know some of some of you have struggled with this. But when mom and dad hold you accountable, how many books you've read, did you do all of your math, did you do all of your geography, you fudge a little bit. Jesus wants us to be full of integrity. How about our speech? When we're in, the, when we're in our jobs, when we're in our homes, how are we representing Jesus to our children? Does our speech discredit us to end up discrediting Jesus? My goal has always been, Jesus, I need to show my children how to live. Their mother is doing a great job. Help me as I seek to lead them. Because if I am telling them to follow Jesus, if I'm telling them to love others, if I'm telling them to, to be to be honest and full of integrity, but I am not. They're going to be able to see right through me. Moms and dads, I tell you what, your children have x-ray vision, so it seems. 
You can tell them about Jesus, but they're going to watch how you live. And if you're not following after Jesus, they're going to think it's not real. They're going to think it's fake. They're going to not want to embrace it. Many children, especially even in pastors' homes in this day, they walk away from the Lord. Did you realize that almost 70% of young people, by the time they hit uh, college age and they grew up in the church, they walk away from Jesus? Does that not stir your heart? Don't you just wrestle with that? And I want to represent Jesus well. I want to represent Him well to my children. I would never want any of my children to walk away, or anyone for that matter, to walk away because I failed to represent Him well. I mean, there's, there's too much at stake here. Do we engage in the office gossip? Do we slander the boss to others? Do we choose to forgive others when we need to? Or do we hold on to a grudge and let it fester? One of the things that I want to commend you young people for, you teens. Others have, like at Finish Well and others, other opportunities when we have people from outside, especially the world, as they're participating in an event that we're using to reach out to the community, etc., and you say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, that you show respect, I've had them come back to me and say, you have the most polite teens. I am amazed. I want kids like that. I'm going to kidnap some of them. That's what I'm going to do. Diego gave his heart to Christ a little over two years ago. And as I spend some time with him, trying to help him as he is uh, navigating through some of the struggles at work and just trying to represent Christ. And he was telling me just the other day, he said, you know, Pastor Mike, God gave me an unusual opportunity in which I had a little bit of downtime. And so I just made a, a, a decision and I would, because he's a waiter at a restaurant in Deland and he started helping the other waiters so that they were able to get back on top of things. And it got back to him some of the, the good things that they had said about him, and it, and it really encouraged him. You know, isn't that wonderful when you, when you sacrifice and you get back, wow, I, I guess they did notice. I guess it did make some impact. I think that's awesome. I mean, I want to live my life wherever I might be outside of my home and I have a business and at the dealership, I want people to speak well of me, not for me, but because that means maybe, just maybe, I'm representing my Lord Jesus well. People know that I'm a pastor. They know I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to represent Him well because if I don't, my ability to evangelize will immediately be shut down. I want us to just take a few minutes. And I want us to look at how do we then represent Jesus well corporately? How do we do that corporately? Jesus made it a point to meet the needs of those that came to him. Those who were hungry, he fed them. Sometimes spiritually, sometimes physically. But he met the needs of the community. 
I think it would behoove us to step back and say, God, as we are now moving into an area in which there's, a, there's many communities around us, corporately, corporately, how can we meet some of these needs? And God is going to be showing you. As you prayer walk, these communities, these neighborhoods, the apartment complex, I believe it's called Stonebrook, God's going to show you. God is going to speak prophetically. God is going to give some of you visions and dreams. See, this is important. This is God showing us how we can be effective representatives in these communities in meeting a need. And, and church, this is not about how we represent power line well. This is about how we represent our King Jesus well. Alright, so as, we, as, as you prayer walk, don't be surprised if God speaks very prophetically to you. Stephen Palacastro was, was telling me the other day, he said, Mike, a Wednesday night, God reminded me, and I can't remember, Stephen, what is a dream or a vision that you had of the city? A dream or a vision that you had of the city? It was a dream. Several years ago, um, God gave Stephen a dream, <clears throat> and in that dream, he was, along with many of us in the church, were running on this plane, and we had been going into burning cities and rescuing those from the burning cities and, and helping them, ministering to them. And as we were running along this, uh, what apparently turned into a plateau because it came to the edge and then the cliff and then another plane. And you, he said that you could see in the distance more burning cities as if there was no end to these burning cities. And we took a moment and we just celebrated and we worshiped the Lord for what he had done in rescuing these people from the burning cities. Church, you need to realize those burning cities represent homes. They represent communities and societies that not just power line, but the church of Jesus Christ has the privilege, as we see in the book of Acts, in representing Jesus well, in ministering to needs, that as they do this, representing Jesus well, the name of Jesus Christ will be held in high honor. That as we represent Him well, the focus becomes Jesus working through us. Jesus wants to work through you. There's a lot of burning cities in our day, right now. Right now, there's a lot of burning cities. Some of them don't realize their city is on fire. They don't realize that their home is burning to the ground. They don't realize just how little hope they truly have apart from Christ. They're always thinking about, well, maybe one day, maybe one day, and one day never becomes today. It's always elusive. It's always down the road. And they never experience freedom. They never experience the joy and the hope that God created them to have in fellowship with Him. And we are that vehicle through which Christ wants us to live and speak boldly the gospel of Jesus. How can we do this? I want to ask you this. How do, how do you treat visitors that come to our church? Can I go there? Can I go there? Do you find that afterwards you get so caught up in conversations with one another that the visitor ends up leaving and their testimony is, should I call them or maybe one of you call them? Well, 
I came to your church, but nobody spoke to me after. That has happened. But can I tell you this? You guys do a great job in welcoming visitors. Just, just a for, for your 411, if you're a visitor tonight, you're going to get swamped with people. That's just who we are. I'm, let me just apologize right up front. That happens in this church. Because we love one another. And if you're a visitor, we love you. We, want you. we want you to be able to experience this awesome relationship with Jesus Christ that can set you free, that can allow you to walk as you follow Him with biblical principles, raising a family in which there's peace, joy, and hope in your family. That is real in our day, people. That is real, and it is happening in so many of your, your homes. For many in the world, it's a facade, it's a mirror, it's one day. But how do we greet the visitors? When we are going through the neighborhoods, prayer walking, as we are going through the neighborhoods, taking the invitational cards that on the face has that question, got hope? And really wants to challenge the people in our communities that Jesus truly is the only one who gives hope. He's the only one who can truly restore what has been broken and burned and demolished. He is the only healer of the heart. The best self-help book on the market will not do that. It is smoke and mirrors. As we go through these neighborhoods, as we are having opportunity to pray for these people, God is going to show you certain needs. And the question we want to be able to do is step back as we're praying for them and say, God, is this an opportunity for us as a church to meet this need? Now, I did say we need to be careful. There are felt needs, and then there are real needs. Most felt needs are superficial. Some felt needs are real needs. Someone's out of a job, they need money. That is a felt need. Maybe what they need, though, more than money is the job. Maybe what they need even before the job is good training so that they're not working an hourly position, but more of a, a, a salaried type of position or, or a good paying hourly job. Maybe that's what they really need. If you were to turn to Acts 3, and you can do that, in Acts 3, Peter and John come to the temple to pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and there is a man who is lame. That means he can't walk. Now, he's not paralyzed. In other words, his legs can work, but his feet don't. Now, it is possible, perhaps, and again, I'm not there. I can't interview him. Maybe he could have gotten a job doing something with his hands, Though he can't walk, sitting down and doing something with his legs, maybe he could have become a potter, I don't know. But there is a felt need, because when they approach this man, Peter and John, he is, he is wanting money. Now, I don't think that it's an accident, but they do not have money on them to give him. So they choose not to, I would say perhaps, God chose not to meet this man's felt need, but his real need. And Peter, and John, Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And it says that God 
just infused strength in his feet and his ankles, and the man was able to stand up, and Peter is just taking him by the hand, kind of like, okay, this isn't a joke, this is real, stand up. And the man ventures to rise to his feet, and his feet can bear the weight, and he begins to jump and dance and leap for joy, and actually he becomes a spectacle, and then he has to stand before the Sanhedrin as a spectacle to the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin don't know what to do. God has just met a very real need in this man's life. For all of his life, he had been crippled. Again, not paralyzed, but crippled. And now he stands before the Sanhedrin. The Jewish ruling council is about 70 elderly men, well-schooled in the Scriptures, who have rejected Jesus, at least for the most part they have. And this is the question that they asked, and it was an awesome question that they asked. By what power... Or what name did you heal this man? There is a truth. God used Peter to bring healing to this man. But it was not Peter's doing. It was the power and the name of Jesus. The name is the authority. You walk in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And as you go door to door, you walk in that power and in that authority, and God will help, will show you how you can meet the real needs of these people or how we corporately might be able to meet these real needs because as we do this, representing Jesus well, we begin to impact the community that they would hold the name of Jesus in high honor. And that the result is that as followers of Jesus, we, they would be extending favor to us with the goal that God would be adding daily those who are being saved to the church. Adding daily. I believe that God wants His church, and Powerline being a sub-microcosm of that, God wants His church today to experience the absolute miraculous display of His grace in our midst. And we're just kind of walking through some of the ways in which God can do this and as he does this, breaking up the fallow ground in these troubled hearts that truly, to, to put it very biblically but bluntly, are in rebellion against God. Before I came to Christ, my Bible tells me I was an enemy of God. Now, if you were to ask me that, well, are you, so Mike, you, you realize you're an enemy of God. I am not. I go to church every Sunday, buddy. Every Sunday. Huh? I know I go to church twice more than you do, because my dad's the choir director and I have to go to church. But the reality is I went to church very faithfully, and I was so lost. And God had to break up that fallow ground in me. And God wants to use each of us in this way. Serving our community. So here's what I'm going to ask when we are going to go door to door in just a few weeks. And I'm going to, we're going to have like a little training session for this. And, and I'm, I'm going to pray 
and I hope this doesn't shock you, I'm going to pray that every single one of us grabs that opportunity at least once. And for many of you, you're going to do it like every week. You're going to love doing this. And as you're going, you're going to be praying. You're going to be reaching out to them maybe just an hour or a few hours a week or every other week. But you're going to, as you do this, God is going to use you to minister. You're going to be... Sorry, this came to my mind. In Proverbs, it talks about finding lizards in king's palaces. You're going to be a lizard in a king's palace. That's a positive thing, by the way. You're going to, the Spirit of God is going to use you to be able to get into homes and be able to minister to real needs in homes. And the Spirit of God is going to communicate to your heart how you or others in the church can meet this need. And I'm going to tell you this. Not only is he, because Jesus has commanded this, but as we do this, God is going to transform people's lives. We just need to be available and bold. You know, it used to be a joke. We moved so many people that we had started a new company called the Powerline Moving Company. I mean, we have moved a lot of people. Many of us know how to pack a, move, a, a moving truck better than UPS knows how to. Okay? All right. We're going to be, having, we're going to be taking the opportunity to, uh, in, in just a week or two or three, to sweep the curb up a de- uh, in front of the Brio Business Center. And the reason why the Lord has laid this on my heart, I think, is because God wants us to, to show the landlord that we are serious about being a presence there, and we are not just there, praise God, we're, we're there at half price, but uh, we're, we want to serve. We want to serve our community, and I want the landlords, there's seven of them apparently, I want the landlords to be able to step back and say, you know what, I am so glad that Powerline Church is renting that facility. I'm glad they are. Not just because we're at least making a few bucks, but because I like who they are, and I like what they represent. And we're just going to clean up that curb. We're going to go around and whatever we can do, we do it. It shouldn't take a whole lot of time, but it's an opportunity to serve. You may find that you come across an elderly man who's out of work for about two weeks or so and he can't take care of his yard and God's going to lay it on your heart to take care of his yard for him. It's going to cost you several hours. But you're, going to have a, you're going to have the opportunity to serve and minister to this man. Galatians 6, 9 says, Do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest. Do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. I want to conclude. I want to ask us, each of us, how are we doing representing Jesus well? How are we doing representing Him well in our home? How are we doing representing him well in the marketplace, in the job? Is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Can you stand with me? As we pray,
to allow God's Spirit to minister to your heart. Unity in the body of Christ is ultra important. Loving one another, doing good, especially as Scripture says to those of the household of faith. Who we are, how we love one another, how we love those in our home, how we love each other here, that is so, so crucial. Father, I just ask you, These words have been simple tonight. May we take them so seriously. Father, I want to represent you well. I want to speak with boldness. I want to, I, I want to live my life with integrity. I want to live my life with humility. I want to be one who builds up and does not tear down. I want to be one who speaks truth, but speaks it in love. I want to be one who speaks into a situation wisdom rather than foolishness. I want to be one who speaks with the love of Christ, who lives and acts with His love, who's willing to serve, who's willing to meet needs. Father, I pray that as we do this, as a church, corporately, individually, may we so represent You well that the name of Jesus would be held in high honor for those that we've been privileged to impact and live out Jesus Christ before. God, please. We are at a crucial moment in history in which this nation is teetering in the balance, and it truly is all up to the church. And I am asking you, God, rescue your church. Rescue us, God. Rescue us that we would shine Jesus. Rescue us that we would be that city on a hill. Rescue us, God, that we would be that salt of the earth. Rescue us, God, that we would shine Jesus, that others would see Christ living through us and speaking through us. Use us, God. Speak through us, God. And transform those around us. Pour out your grace with such a mighty display of power and authenticity and love and rescue this lost world. Please, God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an absolutely awesome, awesome weekend. As I understand, the evangelism team is gathering at our house at what time tomorrow morning? 10.15. Um, uh, Please, those of you that I spoke to this past weekend, the Learning to Lead Seminar...